Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, a podcast dedicated to educating the Latino community about entrepreneurship, investing, and business. All right, what's going on, Latin Wealth family? Welcome to another episode to the Latin Wealth Podcast. Hope you, hopefully you guys are doing well. I'm feeling good today. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. We got another phenomenal guest on today's show, but before we introduce her, I need you guys to do us a huge favor, right? This is going to be a great uh, episode. It's going to be very informative. So I need you guys right now to share this episode with three other people that need to hear this, right? Go ahead and hit those three dots, the share button, text it to somebody, send it to them on Instagram, DMs, whatever you have to do, share this episode with three people. And with that being said, let's introduce our guest for today. She is an investor, entrepreneur, and she's also the CEO of Height Digital Dallas, an industry-leading agency in brand design and marketing services. She's also the founder of Height Creative. And I think most importantly, she's also a mother and a wife. Welcome to the Latin Wealth Podcast, Tatiana Chamorro. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm doing great. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so I was doing a little little research about you and I think for me it was like a fun fact that I found out is your mother is Mexican and your dad is from Nicaragua yes but you were born in Costa Rica right (laughs) yep (laughs) so before we jump into like your background and your upbringing and all that like talk to me like how that happened did they meet in Costa Rica what happened there yeah (laughs) good question so my mom is actually half Mexican okay and her dad is from Nicaragua Many people don't know this. Some do. Nicaragua has dictatorships on and off every about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so during the 80s, my dad left Nicaragua Mm -hmm. and my mom was living in Costa Rica with her parents. And that's where they met. Mm. They met in college. That's awesome. Wow. So um, I love it. So we can we can jump into your background a little bit. I know you've always been a creative. You've been like a person into arts at a young age. I think you mentioned in the second grade, you were selling art, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So talk to us about that process. Um, how did you, like, who was buying the art? And I'd love to know more about your upbringing. You know, it's a, qu- a great question that I've never gotten asked who's buying the art. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the important part. No, no it's not. It's <laughs> no, not. I'm kidding. I, I mean, my parents and the neighbors and my mom would actually call the neighbors so that they would buy the art. But I didn't know that back then. So it that's it awesome. was more of like building me believing in, in what I could do, 100%, right? 100%. And so, and I think as parents, sometimes we do that very intentionally and we don't know how the results it's going to get. But yes, I started off, um, I remember high school, we had a banquet, kind of like what you guys have here as prom mm-hmm. and everyone needed to pay for their ticket. And so what I did is I started uh, creating bows for hairs and mm-hmm. then I would go to school and sell them. And mm-hmm. we, I think we generated, me and my friend, about $800 mm-hmm. and we paid for my tickets and my friend's tickets, and we just, you know, figured it out. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. So uh, going back to what you said about your parents, you said they were calling the neighbors, right? So what do you, what do you, what do you think that did for you? Like, did that give you that confidence? Because look, words are powerful. And if your parents would have been one of those parents that said like, no, you're not, you're not a good artist, (laughs) you would have shied away from it probably, right? But instead, you know, they were supporting you and they were doing what they could to help you out. And what, what do you think that did for you? I think in a, in a way it did build my confidence, but mm-hmm. my mom and my parents both are very honest. So mm-hmm. when something was not my path, they would tell me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they would also say, you know, maybe this isn't for you. 
Um, I remember I also baked cookies and I would sell them. And this was a recipe I made up. And the cookies were harder than rocks. <laughs> <laughs> they were terrible. Um, but my mom would also call the neighbors and she would ask them to, to buy them. And they would buy them. And I, you know, for a moment, I was like, I'm going to become a baker. And she's mm -hmm. like, ah, you know, let's talk about this. I don't think that's the path for you. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more about having that honest conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and more than just building confidence, because we don't want to create entitled you know, adults who think that they're good at everything sure. is having that conversation of honesty where we can understand we're good at certain things. And so for me, I think looking back, I didn't know then, but for mm -hmm. me, it was identifying what I'm good at is building businesses and like creating ideas, but I'm not necessarily good at baking or mm -hmm. drawing. Actually, mm -hmm. I'm not really great at drawing, even though my undergrad was graphic design. Um, but I am good at starting with an idea and mm -hmm. building a business from it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's very important to have those people in your corner that will keep it real with you. Um, I always use this example on the podcast. Like when I first started podcasting, I think it was like episode six. What I would do is I would record them and then I let my wife listen yeah. to them. And it was like, like I said, episode six. And she was like, yo, this is trash. <laughs> <laughs> you got to just go back and, and do this one over. Right. But those moments, like, she didn't discourage me, but it made me better, right? It made me go back in the lab and figure out what I can do better. So definitely important to have those people uh, around you. So I love it. So where where did you get that that itch to to sell things, to bake cookies, to come up with money, to go to your your banquet, your prom? Uh, what what did you see other people around you doing that, or where did that come from, or was it just naturally? I, I think it's a combination. Yeah. Um, I come from entrepreneurial family. Um, my uncles, almost all of them are entrepreneurs. My dad was an entrepreneur. My mm -hmm. grandfather was an entrepreneur. His dad was an entrepreneur. Um, but you don't go into a family meeting mm -hmm. and talk about, like, your entrepreneurial spirit, mm -hmm. right? I think my dad was a bit, really big example of pushing me to see what entrepreneurship was about without telling me, oh, mm -hmm. this is, you know, being yeah, an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just kind of like something we have in our souls. Yeah. and. What you need is people to say, oh, that could be a business or you can do it and just jump into it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would say that I've always had it in me. I grew up around it without knowing that I was growing up around it. Mm -hmm. um, and and then just kind of putting everything together, it just propelled to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So walk us through uh, kind of your life after high school and after the banquet and all that. You know, you, you're, you're understanding that you can sell things, that you can probably build businesses. What was the next step for you? Yeah. You know, that was a very interesting uh, part of my life because I, so I got a scholarship. I was living in Nicaragua. That's where I grew mm -hmm. up. I got a scholarship to Mercyhurst University in Pennsylvania. It was about 80% um, scholarship, a really great one. So I leave, right? And in that moment, my dad's business starts going down. It mm -hmm. just, it was a really bad time in Nicaragua and it just started to not work out. What type right? of business? It was, he would sell uh, motorcycles. So mm -hmm. he had kind of like a Toyota in Nicaragua, mm -hmm. not the Toyota, but similar, right? Um, so he would sell motorcycles and something happened and he called me and he said, hey, you know, I think we need you to come back. We mm -hmm. can't afford it next year. So I went and I got, I think it was like 85. I got about 5% more for my scholarship. And they were like, yeah, okay, that's great. But I think it's still too tight. In that moment, I made the decision to go back, but I didn't want to go to Nicaragua because the education there for college was not mm -hmm. as good. So I ended up applying in Costa Rica, which is where my grandparents were. Mm. During this time, I had my boyfriend, who is now my husband. 
He was also in Mercyhurst University in Pennsylvania, but he was a senior, so he was graduating. Um, anyways, to make it short, I we ended up getting married about a year later. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm 20, right? And mm-hmm. we're about to have our first baby. Mm-hmm. And everything that I had planned on, because I'm a planner, on how things should go and what I wanted to do, suddenly kind of like just completely changed. Yeah. And, you know, I, I grew up in a in a bubble. My parents have been married for 35 years. Um, I went to private school in Nicaragua. And then suddenly I was out of that bubble and I had to just kind of realize the reality. I actually mm-hmm. went back to my dad and I said, you know, now that I'm here in Nicaragua, I need help paying for college. Mm. And he said, I have three other kids and you are married. That's something you're going to have to figure out with your husband. Mm-hmm. And I and that's the second where I was like, what? Hold <laughs> <laughs> up. What do you mean? You know, um, how am I going to pay for this? Thank God, my husband. We've been married now twelve years, um, and he is an amazing person, and he supported me through it. The first few years that I did college in Nicaragua, we paid for it with his salary. Mm-hmm. Um, since he had graduated college, he had a good job. But about a year in, we decide to move to Texas for him to pursue his master's. And so, as you can see, everything there in that moment kind of shifted. In that moment, I was not thinking I'm going to be an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. right? I still wanted to. Mm -hmm. I didn't fully plan on it. I didn't know how I was going to get there. I had yet not completed my undergrad. So, it kind of like just everything shattered. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out, okay, where is the starting point now, right? Mm -hmm. So, we decided to move to Texas. Um, We were coming for just one year. This was 2014. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We've been here now eight years, mm-hmm. and um, he ended up graduating from his master's a year in, mm-hmm. and he got a job offer, got his visa uh, sponsored, and we ended up saying, okay, well, let's stay a couple years more so I can do my undergrad. Um, he didn't know, but I had already planned on it, so I had brought all my credits from the universities I had attended. Mm-hmm. I was ready, right? Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And I don't know if you want me to go into that journey. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, we'll, we'll jump into that in a second. But, you know, I want to you said a couple of things in there. So the first time you went to Pennsylvania, was that your first time coming to America? Like, was that your first? Ex- no. OK. Um, We would come here for vacation. OK, got it. I was yeah. just going to ask, like, well, I get this is obviously different from vacation. You're actually mm-hmm. studying out here. Talk to us about like some of those differences. Yeah. From where you were at to like Pennsylvania. I mean, that's completely different. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cold. Um, Nicaragua, yeah. it never gets cold, yeah. right? Um, I think the biggest difference was that I thought I knew how to speak English. Mm. And then I went into a Starbucks and I was like, what the heck are they saying? Not the Starbucks. Like, I oh my, I, the Latte medium, you know, like a grande. I was like, what is that? Yeah. And that's so fast. Um, so I, I, I think the exposure to language was one of the things mm. where, I, where it was a culture shock just because I thought I knew fully how to speak. I mean, mm-hmm. I went to an American school in Nicaragua. I have been speaking English since kindergarten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but not fully. I'm a person, I like to say I'm funny. At least that's what I think. And uh, <laughs> and uh, being funny in a different language is hard. Yeah. It's a challenge. And uh, when I, my first boss, he was a linguistics professor. And he said that when you make people laugh in a different language, that's how you know you're fully bilingual, mm, right? Interesting. So every time someone laughs, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I love it. Um, so look, you said in the moment when you moved back, you said your plans just went out the window, right? And it just mm. all shattered. Um, something I love to say is, you know, you, your plan in life, your plans may change, but the mission must stay in the same. So, like, your mission was probably entrepreneurship, 
um, having a business and whatnot, uh, that stayed the same because you're eventually doing it. You're yeah. doing it now, right? But the plans, is, it, it's always going to change, right? But I w- I'm I'm curious, looking back at those moments, do you think that shattered or, you know, that perception of it being shattered, did that help you? Or because I'm saying the things you go through life will prepare you for the next thing. Yeah, you, I don't think I would be who I am today if I without, wouldn't have gone through that. Yeah, at, at, uh, I mean, absolutely not. I mean, I believe that. I had had such a smooth path in my life until that point that if it weren't for that moment in my life, I wouldn't have learned how to, you know, Mm -hmm. get up and figure it out. Mm -hmm. Because the second my husband graduated from college, I applied. I mean, I had networked for free the last year prior to that at the university. With the visa that I had, I wasn't allowed to work or or do anything, study nothing. I was just allowed to stay home or volunteer. So I volunteered the whole year. And I got seven scholarships by the time I applied to college. Mm. Tatiana, four years before that, wouldn't have ever thought about volunteering or finding scholarships or figuring it out because, you know, we had I had my dad helping me, supporting mm-hmm. me. We had a lot of um, opportunities that were covered. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you're in Texas. You're coming out here. Well, you're here. You're trying to get your undergrad. Walk us through, you know, that process. Well, it was a, the first challenge was... I'm a mom. Yeah. I, that's a priority. Um, I'm also a dependent of a visa. So I need to go back to my country and change my visa status to student visa. Um, so I do that. I come back and I have to cook, clean, do everything. But I'm still having to study. And in order to afford going to college, I also had to work at the university. I couldn't work anywhere else because of the visa status. Mm. Right. So I start to just look around and, and realize that there's so many opportunities. And I guess this is just something for anyone that's listening that is wanting to go back to college or is in college. Guys, there's so many scholarships out there. And I will say this, as an international student, if there's 100 scholarships, I was only a- allowed to apply to 15. Mm-hmm. It is crazy how tiny that number becomes when you don't have, you know, when you're not a U.S. citizen. Um, so I just looked for them and I looked for opportunities. And one of the things I started realizing that year was that if you start having a goal in mind, you can plan for it. And that goal should not be a month from now. It should be like, where do I want to be two years from now? Right. So when we got to Texas, I knew I wanted to study and finish my undergrad here. I mean, I just saw the opportunity. My family had already moved. It just made sense. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though it was crazy because my husband and I sold our car and everything we had in Nicaragua, and that's what we used to pay for the first semester in college, and that's all we could afford. So, mm-hmm. like, in that moment, anyone that would have heard that would have been like, you're crazy, right? Um, but I started volunteering and finding places where opportunities would come. Mm. And so I think that's the first thing that made a huge difference is just looking for places where I can find the next step to get me closer to my goal. Mm. And so what were some of those places that you were volunteering at? I yeah. love that you said that that you putting yourself where opportunities would present themselves. Like sometimes something I, I, I tell like my friends and whatnot is like, put yourself in miracle territory, put yourself in an environment where things could happen for you, right? Positive things could happen for you. Yeah. I think the first place would be, so another, another point here is when you're doing your graduate degree, you can become a graduate assistant and that covers your cost to, of tuition and it gives you um, a salary. So my husband found a graduate assistant job by working for the Hispanic student office. Every university in Texas 
probably has a Hispanic office. Mm -hmm. So I went to the Hispanic office and I volunteered my time and I had a background in graphic design. But by that time I had done graphic design 101 freshman year four times. Right. Mm -hmm. So I (laughs) I could help them. Right. So I just volunteered my time there and I started meeting with the dean to see what they needed. And then she started using me as a resource and then she would introduce me to other VPs. And Mm. then she would say, oh, she's been doing the flyers for these events and, you know, just little things like that that would add value. She then introduced me to the press to the director of the cafeteria um, who like managed the whole food industry and all that that fulfilled for the students. And so he was looking for a president for their student board that would help students enroll in their meal plans. So I became president of that, which covered my meals and covered my my son's meals. So by the time I got to college, I had the scholarships. I had already mingled. So when I applied to my scholarships, they knew who I was, right? It wasn't just uh, blindfolded. And then I also had the meals covered, which means I didn't need to be cooking. So now the only thing I needed to do was wash my, you know, clean and and wash my laundry. Putting yourself in miracle territory. That's Mm -hmm. what it's about. I love it. So you go to school. You graduate. Um, what happens after that? What's next? Like you accomplish this goal. You're in Texas. Uh, what, what's what's next? So there's a lot of challenges to that question. The first one was asked because I'm not a U.S. citizen and, and I'm an international student. Mm-hmm. I had the challenge of my visa. Right. However, mm-hmm. my husband was now hired by the university, so I'm allowed to stay under him. It's crazy how everything just kind of falls yeah. into play a little it bit. It did fall into yeah. place and it was, it, it felt godsend to be right. honest with you. We had some hiccups in the way and, and the process, the immigration process is completely broken. Um, I can't imagine. So, so you don't even know if you know, like there's just during the application process, applying doesn't mean you're going to get it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of steps there that were very frustrating and, and stressful. Thank God my husband was working However, that still made me independent, which means I couldn't work or study unless mm-hmm. I became a student again. So I became a student again and I did my master's. Mm. So how, I'm curious, like, how did you, how were you able to like stay out here full time and actually work and not just be a student? Well, I wasn't, I was, you can work for the university. Uh-huh. So that's what I was doing. Okay. I started my business until I got my green card. Um, what okay. I would do is I would freelance uh-huh. online yeah, in yeah. platforms or I would volunteer my time. Okay. So after you got your master's, that's what you started doing, fr- freelancing. Okay. So walk me through like how you stepped into business. Like, y- yeah, I'm curious now. Like, how you- Yeah. <laughs> so I think that because I knew where my limitations were, uh, that didn't mean that I was going to limit me to become who I wanted to become. So going back mm. to what I said, have your goals and then plan for the little things. The thing now is that people want to, I want to be a business owner. So I go out and I start my LLC and the next day I want to be making six figures, right? That's not how it works. You got to, you got to say, okay, I want to make six, six figures. What do I, what are the little things I need to do to get there? Mm-hmm. So things I started doing, I would go to the farmer's market and I would give my business card. But here's the thing. I wasn't giving my business card to close any deals in a farmer's market. Like mm-hmm. I knew people there were not there to look for a graphic designer. So what I did is I started learning how to introduce myself. So I would like go to farmer's market, give my business card, introduce myself and see how the other person was responding. And I would read on, oh, okay, like what what the heck is she doing? Or, oh, this sounds interesting, right? And so then I would change the way I would present myself and I would try it again and I would see how they were responding. Now, disclaimer, I never closed a client from a mm. farmer's market. That's not what I was there to do. I was there to grow and learn. And right? learn how to network. Really. Correct. That's something that 
I don't think people ever teach is like how to network. People always say you need a network, network, but how do you do that, right? Yep. Especially from you coming from a foreign country or people that are introverts, they're like, I don't know what to do, right? Yeah, and the the thing is that nobody's going to teach you. There's no handbook that tells you, well, first you're going to, it has to come naturally. And the only way it comes naturally is by going and doing it. And doing it, yeah, absolutely. So you're networking, you're learning how to network, you're passing out your business cards, right? What's, what's after that? So after that... Um, you're also freelancing as well. Yeah. Graphic designing. So I think six months before I graduate from my master's, I start to plan on what is it that I want my business to do. Mm. I knew that I was going to be able, after you graduate with a degree, you are able to stay and work for a year. It's called an OPT. Okay. And so I knew I had a year. A year. So without considering if my husband would be able, like either somebody sponsored me or we got our green card. Those were the two options. Otherwise, I would have had to probably mm. just stay home. Yeah. Um, so I started to work on a, not a business plan exactly, but like work on my logo and my website because I knew I wanted to launch it. My master's was in marketing. My undergrad was in graphic design. So I decided I wanted to build something where I could be helping people start their own brands. Mm -hmm. like, and what, what year is, was this? This was 2018. Got it. Yep. And I'm a little crazy. So in that time, we also had a startup. <laughs> we were launching a, an app and I was pitching just to get investors. Um, but that actually launched in the app store in 2020. Mm -hmm. And that was a little hard with COVID and everything, mm -hmm. right? But I will tell you that I learned so much more than in my classes and my master's just because you're out there networking. Yeah, getting money from people and, you know, just presenting your idea. Mm -hmm. um, but at that moment is when I started to kind of set the foundation for ne my next step. I knew my next step was going to allow me to work. And I had limited options based on where our status fell into, our immigration status. Thankfully, in 2020, we got our green card. Mm. So, and th this sounds like I made it up, but a week after I graduated with my master's, we got our green card in the mail. Mm. And was this like, okay, so this is probably, the pandemic was already, you're in the midst of the pandemic? And, oh, yeah, like a week in. <laughs> wow, that that's crazy. I can, I can only imagine like all the uncertainties. I'm sure there was offices closes. You're like, I don't know if I'm going to get this thing. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So, 2020, um... Are you, well, you have a year to work. And I'm curious, during this year, like, what was your mindset? Was it like every single day you have to be on a 10, you have to be 100% or? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have to. Uh, I think um, immigrants and international students and anyone who's going through an immigration process, if we don't show at 11, you know, like mm. not 10, but 11, we, we're not going to stand out. Mm. There's a million other people that are applying for the same jobs. and I just, and, and to be honest with you, to be frank, now that I, I don't need to do that, I still show up like that because, yeah. and I look for that in people too. Now that I'm the person hiring, now, now that I'm the person networking and looking at that, I, I like to see that in people. Mm. And the way that you can see that in people is because they come, they introduce themselves, they give you their business card, they did research on who you are, mm. and then they send you an email after. And it's simple. I mean, it doesn't, I'm not asking for someone to bring flowers when they meet me, but I, least know who you're talking to mm -hmm. and send a thank you email the next day. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So within this year, were you able to launch the business within the year? Yeah. Okay, cool. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So um, I started the business, like I said, about a week after I graduated with my master's because I had planned for it. I It had a good foundation, a good structure. Mm. Now, here's the thing. I, 
I love doing branding. Branding mm-hmm. is anything where I sit down and I create a logo for you. I create a brand manual. However, looking at it from a business perspective, you can't grow a branding business as fast because you're going to need a logo today, but you're not going to need one next month, mm-hmm. right? So sales is something that sustains business business growth. Yeah. And if I wanted to scale that and create some stability in order to hire people, I needed to create a sustainable model that could you know, like could keep growing without me having to, even though you're going to have to be doing sales all the time, but at least it allows me to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I started doing research in what's called a white label. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with white label? Yeah. You can, you can break it down for the audience though. Cool. Okay. So white label agencies are agencies that fulfill services for an, for another agency under the other agency's name. Yeah. Right. So essentially being from Nicaragua, I said, I think there's an opportunity here. We have a couple white label agencies in Nicaragua. So I started doing my research and about six months, and this is important, about six months before I graduated from college, I was meeting with those agencies. Mm. So I was in the middle of my finals and I was researching who I needed to meet with and I was meeting with them. I remember because my business partner today laughs at it. He's like, I remember talking to you and you were in your master's. I was like, this girl, why is she doing like, yeah. this is not something that's happening now, right? Um, and so I started to interview them. And I decided to go with one called Height, mm-hmm. Height Digital. Height Digital, the reason I went with them is, for me, values are very important, mm-hmm. the type of person you are and how you treat employees. And they were all about that. Mm-hmm. They would, you know, my, my business partner and I connected and he's like, yeah, one day I want to start a university and make it, you know, accessible and this and that. And so I thought there's not a lot of people that share that with me. A lot of business owners are there to just make money. Just make money, that's it. And so I decided to partner with them. And they would fulfill the services of digital marketing. Mm. So the first thing I did the second I graduated was I sent an email to everybody that I knew mm. introducing my new business and myself, right? Smart. Um, let's say that I send about uh, 30 emails. Only about 10 of those responded. That's good. That, that is good. That's good. <laughs> but I didn't say they bought. <laughs> right, right. That's true. And only about three of them bought. Got it. However, by the six months of my agency, we were already doing six figures. Mm. So we were, you know, the the way in which I was able to do that was creating relationships with people for when I was going to reach out. I didn't just email people randomly and said, hey, I, I'm opening a business. I had already nurtured that into conversations mm-hmm. a year prior. What are you going to do when you graduate? Oh, I'm going to start my own business. It's going to be this, that. I'm thinking blah, blah, blah. Oh, you should message me when you start. Mm. Okay. That's conversation, right? Um, so I messaged them. We closed about three deals. We closed the first three deals in my living room. I had never pitched um, digital marketing services. And it was the middle of the pandemic. So you could hear my daughter in the next <laughs> next door like, yeah. open, you know? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, my husband was helping me pitch as well because I was, honestly, I was terrified. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was doing in that moment. Um, we closed them, which mm-hmm. was great. And we were able to start growing. So in mm-hmm. that moment, I decided to just go full in with this mm-hmm. and created a model in which you begin with branding. Mm-hmm. But then once you have that foundation, we move into digital marketing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important because a lot of businesses Talk about it. will go into digital marketing. They want to make money right away. Right away. But if you don't have the right foundation, you are throwing your money away. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are doing digital marketing and you're saying, well, that didn't work. It might be because your website is not communicating what it needs to communicate. Mm-hmm. Think about it, right? You see an advertisement, you go to a store, and let's talk about it physically instead of digitally. You go into the store, and the store has nothing of what you're looking for. Mm. 
that advertisement that you saw didn't really work. But it wasn't the advertisement. It was that you're not really targeting the right person, that you're not really communicating what you have, right? So we started that model. And about six months in, my business partner came up with the idea of turning High Digital into a franchise. Mm. And that's where everything just completely changed and exploded. Mm. Interesting. So I'm curious, since you brought it up, I'd love to dive into what are some of those fundamentals and those foundations that these businesses need to have before they jump into digital marketing? Because like you said, any business owner that wants marketing service, they just want to know like how much you're going to make them as soon as possible. How how much and how soon? Um, talk to us about those conversations of like, hey, we need to build that foundation first and then, you know, we can start talking, you know, revenue and stuff like that, making you guys money. Yeah. So the first foundation is going to be your website. You mm. need to have a website that actually tracks and works. And what does that mean? Um, I recommend WordPress. WordPress is going to be the best place to build your WordPress, uh, your website. Why? Um, because it allows you to rank faster and it has a lot of capabilities to connect to any third-party provider. Like mm -hmm. if you have... If you are needing to connect to your CRM or to your merchant system, all mm -hmm. of that is easier to do on WordPress. So hold that thought. Um, what would you say to the people that are using like Shopify, Squarespace? You know, I'm sure those those platforms have a place for certain things, but why WordPress over those? Great question. So yeah. there's two different types of websites. One mm -hmm. is called a lead generation and one is called an e-commerce. E-commerce yep. e is going to be anything where you sell products. So in that case, Shopify... Um, would be would be fine mm -hmm. would be just as good right the only difference and this is going to be important a lot of business owners because when i ask them they'll say well everyone's my audience or uh well we just want to really grow so yeah <laughs> that's that's what we need right but you got to think about where you are today right so if you are a business that's starting out generating less than a million dollars in revenue then shopify works fine that is a good starting place okay as you scale if you're selling 10 million or more Shopify will charge you a fee per sale. Mm -hmm. And so scalability-wise, Shopify won't be a good option for you. WordPress will be. But we're talking about when you already have a team that can actually help you, when you have the revenue to cover expenses to, you mm -hmm. know, be taking care of all those different things. Um, and so I would just be mindful about that. Where are you today? What are you wanting to accomplish? And mm -hmm. then based on that, I can give you an answer as to what's the, the best platform. I love that. So fundamentals, first thing, website, you mentioned you got to have a quality website that can track and that can, what was the other thing you said? Track in. That can track and that you can actually make changes to it. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I love that. So what would be like the next two things that are part of the found, that foundation? So the other thing that we see often is a digital marketing agency is not a sales team. Mm. And that's going to be crucial because we see digital marketing when done right can get you leads. Yes. First off, it takes about 90 days to get really good results. Why? Because we're tracking data. So what mm. you're doing with digital marketing essentially is that you're paying to collect data. And if you have the right team, that team is making optimizations or changes on the data they're collecting based on what they're seeing. Right. Ooh. Business owners just don't understand that. They No, <laughs> it, it's hard to understand. And I get it because you're putting your money and you want to see results you immediately. See results, yeah. Right. Um, but the other side of that is that if you are doing digital marketing well and you are getting results, let's say that you're getting 200 people to contact you. If you don't have a CRM in place, a customer relationship management or a sales team mm -hmm. that has an actual SOP, so a process, mm -hmm. then you're losing time mm -hmm. and money. Why does that, why, 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 what do I mean with that? Well, you're getting leads, 
how do you make sure that your team is calling everyone? Mm. And and by the way, when somebody clicks in an ad through digital advertisement, it doesn't mean that they're going to pay for it right there. 100%. And so that person probably needs nurturing, especially depending on the industry you're in. Mm-hmm. Some industries are faster, right? Some industries require a little more nurturing. If you don't have a team to nurture that lead, you are going to be wasting your money in digital marketing. Mm. Mm. Love that. Okay, so what would be the third thing to that foundation? So the third thing the third thing would be making sure that you are actually looking at that data and sharing all that with your marketing team. Mm-hmm. Let me give you an example. We had this uh, client that hired us. And we were getting conversions, which means we were getting leads. We were getting people to click. We were getting people to register. However, they were like, well, the cost is too high. If this client would have told us two months later, ah, you guys don't work. This Mm -hmm. is too high. It never really worked out. That would have been too late. What you need with your marketing team is to have a healthy conversation Mm. around, hey, you know, I think this is too high. This is not working for me. What can we do to lower it? This is what this actual client did. And a week later, we had the best results they had ever seen. Mm. Why? Because my team is actually looking at the ads and they're making changes based on what they see. But if what they see doesn't match what you think, then they're not making the right changes. Mm -hmm. So having that conversation and a team that actually has the ability to be able to nurture and adapt based on that is going to be super important. Mm. I love that. Um, I want to take a step back to 2020 real quick. Mm -hmm. Cause only you want to take a stick. Yeah, on, I'm the only one. <laughs> I'm the only one that wants to. But I'm curious because you said, I mean, you launched the business and you're trying to close people. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, you got. You said reached out to 20 people, 10 people replied. You closed three of them. Were people scared? You know, looking to save their money, looking to cut back. How were you guys able to? you know, close those people. I think part of it is based on the relationship, which I love mm. that you did that ahead of time. But like, how were you able to close those people? And I think you even mentioned the first person you you closed was like your biggest client yes. or something like that. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Yeah, this was actually about a, it hasn't been my biggest client since then, but it was my biggest client at the moment. It was about a, uh, let's see, probably over, to this date, they have spent with us over 200K. Mm. And in that moment, they, we closed about 35 um, we did a website, we did SEO, we did Google ads. To your question, though, mm-hmm. people are more scared now from what I'm seeing than they were in COVID, and mm-hmm. I, especially for digital marketing. Um, in, in COVID, digital marketing was a big push. You have to be online. If you're not online, nobody's going to buy. They don't know where you are. Nobody's going out, right? So it wasn't that hard. And I think it was just, like I said, got, like I was just... It feels like a movie, right? But I was just placed in the right circumstances in the right moments, and it was just ideal. Um, Today, we are seeing more of a conversation about a recession, and people are skeptical about where to invest rather than just investing online, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because digital marketing is a little bit more dynamic, and people are scared of being dynamic at the moment. Back then in COVID, you had to be online. Mm -hmm. Whether it was dynamic or not, that was your only option because people were not coming physically, Mm -hmm. right? So it made the conversation a little easier. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you say to the people now that are cutting back and that don't want to be dynamic, as you're saying, they're scared to invest into digital marketing? What would you say to those people out there? Well, first of all, I like to... I like to make sure I start conversations where, where are you at right now? Mm. And one of the things that is crucial to digital marketing is how much do you sell your service for? Mm. That is going to give you the answer whether or not you should invest in digital marketing or even in what service to invest in. 
A lot of times I'll ask people, what's your budget? And they'll probably say, oh, we don't have a budget. And they usually do. Or their budget's going to be like $200. I want to ask people, how are you getting that budget? And then I want to question, okay, let's actually walk through a strategy that can make you money. So if you think through the numbers, the numbers will make sense. But if you're just throwing numbers, you're, you should be scared mm -hmm. because that's not... I mean, do you manage your business by just throwing numbers and, you know, buying things without looking at it? No. And that's the same way that marketing should work. Now, what I will say for older audiences mm -hmm. is that it's very normal to not know how to measure numbers in digital marketing because traditionally marketing doesn't measure numbers. Traditionally, you pay a newspaper. The newspaper will promote mm -hmm. your ad, but it doesn't tell you how many people actually bought from your store or from your mm -hmm. business based on the ad they promote it. It was really hard to track back then. It's not today. Mm. Love that. Um, fast forward a little bit. Uh, I'm curious, do you guys get any clients or potential clients that are like, hey, I, I would love to, to work with you guys, but just I've had bad experience with other marketing agencies or other people. Um, what would you say to those people out there that just had bad experience? Because, I mean, there's so many different marketing agencies out there. Um, what what separates you from others and what would you say to the people that are just scared to to work with somebody else like yourself? Yeah, I would say that, first of all, we get that statement often. Mm -hmm. I would say that you also need to understand it from a standpoint of a business owner if mm -hmm. you are being a good client, right? Mm -hmm. We are very selective who we work with. Good client. I love that. Talk about that. Yeah. And a good client, it doesn't mean that it's a client that pays a lot. That's not what right, I'm saying. 100%. I am saying we will send emails and our clients won't reply. We will say, hey, you got contacted by John, Maria, Carmen. Did that, you know, did you call them back? Oh, no, I didn't have time. That doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you have time to meet on Thursday? Let's look at your numbers. Let's see the results we're gathering. Oh, no, Thursday doesn't work. Or we meet and we look at the numbers and we say, hey, you know, your sales team is closing only 5% of what we're sending. Do you think maybe there's an opportunity to do a sales training? Oh, no, no, no. We've had our sales team for 30 years. They're doing fine. <laughs> so you got you to gotta also, you know, first of all, like I said, look for a marketing agency that's having conversations like that, that's being strategic about how they're advertising for you. And when something goes wrong or if you're not getting the results you're wanting to get, that you are able to have that conversation with them. Hey, this is not what mm -hmm. I'm looking for. I'm not seeing a return. Mm-hmm. But also be responsive and do your your part of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, transitioning a little bit, just a little bit, uh, I want to talk about marketing with artificial intelligence. Mm. I think you made a piece of content about that recently. What are your thoughts about AI? How is it going to affect your business? And like, what, like this, it's kind of like a buzzword right now. It's like, it seems like every year there's some type of buzzword. It seems like AI is that thing right now. People are making it seem like they're going to take over our jobs and whatnot. But how are you guys looking into it and how are you using it if, if you are? Yeah, we are. One of the things that we launched last year is a learning and development department. Mm -hmm. So I urge any marketing, actually anyone in business, you should have a learning and development department or at least a team of two that is looking at things that are coming out in the market and how you can apply that into your processes. Yeah. It's a pain in the butt because yeah. you got to like change your processes, look at how you implement them. What is it? How can it actually be used? Right. So you, you have a team specifically just to do research and figure out what's next, what's trending, what should we be looking at? Yep. And right. how wow. to do it. Wow. That's big. Yes. And we actually have a platform that we build, um, which is uh, essentially a like a learning platform mm -hmm. where all we do onboarding. So if we get a new SEO team member, 
they will go through the onboarding of SEO in that platform, mm -hmm. right? And that is one thing that's going to be super important. If you're a business owner, systematize everything that you have. That is a question I always ask. Okay, I hire you. What's going to happen next? If that's only in your mind, that's not a business you can sell eventually or that you can scale and grow. Mm. And maybe you did scale and grow it, but it's not going to grow more than that. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're not you're going to be able to take a one-month vacation with your family, right? Now, answering your question about AI, I think AI is a tool that we need to learn how to use and that when we learn how to use it, we can really propel what we're offering. Mm -hmm. And that goes to almost any industry, um, digital marketing being a big one. I personally have used AI to create, like, for example, hey, give me content about SEO and it'll give me content. I will create a reel. Then I, I'll send it to the AI. I'll say, make this something I can read. So learning how to you, you can use the tool to really generate more content, do it faster. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's how we need to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that because there's a couple of different tools that I use as a creative. Um, I mentioned on Wealth, Wealth Wednesday, uh, we, we spoke about AI and one of the tools I use is a platform called Video. Mm -hmm. I think it's spelled V-I-D-Y-E-O or something unique like that. Um, but it, it creates short form content for you. And it cuts, I mean, if you know anything about creating content, it takes a while, right? And so you put in your long form piece of content in there and it'll chop it up and it'll spit out like 10 different things for you. And it'll put the captions in there yeah. for you and you can just post it. Now, obviously you lose that human touch with it. So it may not get the exact points you want, but nonetheless, it, it's pretty crazy that it's creating content for you. Well, I like what you're saying because I think it's all about analyzing and yeah. identifying where you're at, right? I, I think we all as humans, we love to think ourselves as bigger than we are. And that's a great trait, right? But we also need to be realistic. So if you're mm -hmm. a small business owner who has an Etsy shop, mm -hmm. use AI. Who cares if it loses a little bit of the humanity? You mm -hmm. need it right now so that you can focus mm -hmm. on the growth. Now, if you're a 10 million revenue company, okay, hire someone that can use AI and make it more personable, mm -hmm. right? But I think to me, AI, we should look at it as just another resource for our team members. And if our brains can really propel with AI, can you imagine where we can go? Yeah, crazy. Absolutely. So speaking about team members, team members, um, how many people are currently on your team right now? So Height has 200 employees. Okay. Yeah. So... And I mean, you've been you've been doing this for a couple of years now. I'm, I'm curious. Talk to us about your leadership style and how you lead this team. Um, and even, you know, where do you learn to become a better leader? At? Like, you know, these are, I think, very important things. And now there's a difference between being a manager and a leader at yeah. a company. Right. So talk to us about that. So my experience has been very unique. Um, when I when Height became a franchise, I bought into the I was one of the first franchisees and I bought the Height Dallas location. At the same time, I came to my business partner and I said, hey, let's build the branding and creative division mm. because Height was offering fulfillment for Google Ads, SEO, but they weren't building websites and branding, mm. which, as I said, initially is a big foundation mm -hmm. on how well the ads will perform. Right. Mm -hmm. So I came in and I built all of our creative division. I co-founded Height Creative, which is what, what you read earlier. Mm -hmm. And that started with just me and one designer. She, All of our team members are in Nicaragua. My business partner is from Arkansas, but he lives in Nicaragua. I tell him that we swapped countries. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he's married to a Nicaraguan. And so the first person I hired was a really close friend of mine from college in Nicaragua. And she's still with us. She's now a branding manager. 
And that team started growing to now today we have, I think, about 30 mm. um, just in the creative division. Right. For me, I think being a creative person, I I love working with creative people because we're very unique, quirky and like mm-hmm. weird in a way, you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we probably all have some level of ADHD. So it's it's very interesting and, and unique. I think that as long as we look at it in a human way, mm-hmm. like I have worked with so many different people. And one of the things that I like to think is, what would I do if it were backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Like if it were, if it were swapped, all of our managers in high creative are females, 90% or 80% are moms. Mm-hmm. And so I have been there and I know what that looks like. And if my son is sick, I want to be able to feel okay to go take care of him over what I'm doing today. So the only thing I ask is for organization. If you need to go and do something that's with your children, you can go. Make sure, though, that everything's in a place where you can just transition it over, right? Mm -hmm. Values are huge for us at Height. Um, We have led with one of the things we did is we launched a scholarship for all of our team members. All Mm -hmm. the managers can apply for a scholarship in Harding University, and we cover tuition, part of it. Um, We also cover uh, educational expenses for all the children in in Height. We give them a stipend. And in the future, we want to launch a scholarship to cover tuition for undergraduate degrees at Harding University Mm -hmm. um, for all of our team members. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, not being in Nicaragua was a challenge. I have the right partner. He is really he leads a lot with the same values and the same attitude that I would. Every time I go to Nicaragua and I visit them and Mm -hmm. I hang out with my team, it just fills my heart. Mm -hmm. It it feels amazing to be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But a big part is just finding the right partner and being able to make sure that your leadership team also is aware of the values you want to generate so that it is communicated to people that then, like today, I don't meet with everyone, right? Mm -hmm. I go to places sometimes, you know, when when the company grows this big, it's hard to even know the names of 200 people, right? And so... It is just all about having the right people there with you. Yeah, absolutely. And so I love that. To transition a little bit, you know, you've been, it seems like you've been on the go ever since you came to America. Like you said, for that year, you were going hard. Yeah. Every day you were giving uh, 11 out of 10. I'm curious, you know, and you, you said that you are actually transitioning onto the board mm-hmm. of, of the company. How do you take care of your mental health through all this? Like you got kids um you, you're you're a wife a mother you know board member you know what are some of the things you do to keep your yourself sane to keep yourself like in a healthy mindset to keep going um forever for, for however long you'd like to go that is such a great question because the last eight years have been a roller coaster yeah. right um the first thing and I'll, I'll say i mean probably that's something where i can yeah i absolutely. think we can all work on 100%. that all the time i have gone to the to the psychologist it Mm -hmm. helps a lot Mm -hmm. um my husband and i go as a couple's therapy every like four years that's amazing um i i used to do lots of walks walks really helped me Mm -hmm. but i think one of the things that has helped is having a horizon like Mm -hmm. i know where i want to go and so i'm not overwhelmed with failure because i like and i'm a very positive person right now that doesn't mean that i i don't have days where i'm down um, I have had transitions over the last year that have been very hard. Um, when I founded the creative team, we also scaled our franchise. We got to 22 locations in the U.S. And the creative team was fulfilling to those franchisees. So in a year and a half, I went from 
or in two years, I went from starting my business to then forming this that grew into a large organization that was fulfilling over 400 logos and brand manual in a year mm. and learning all of that and then hiring a director and transitioning away from the day-to-day. -day. It felt like I had a baby, a grew, went to college, had kids, and now yeah. it doesn't call me, you know? <laughs> um, so I think just being aware of where I'm at and taking time to myself. Like my family and I, we go on vacations often. There's weekends where we just go out and, and have a day. I leave my phone when I need to. Mm -hmm. um, just being very intentional with that and knowing, by the way, that the reason I do things is not to be rich. And so mm. that helps me a lot. Now, obviously, there's, you know, there's profit and I need to be mm. able to take care of my family. My husband helps a lot with that. But a big part of it is also being able to disconnect. And as long as I am leading with my purpose, I feel a little more fulfilled. Mm -hmm. What do you feel like your purpose is? So I thought initially I wanted to be a business owner and then mm. I became a business owner and I loved it. But. I, I think what I do want to do is help. Mm -hmm. I want to help people. And I want to help women who are where I was when I was 20. Yeah, yeah talk about it. Yeah. I want to, I remember when my dad said, you got to figure out your college. And in that second, I had this realization of, I need to figure this out. And if I don't figure it out, I won't be able to even graduate college. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I, I look at women who maybe didn't have the right husband or maybe were not in the right situation or maybe felt overwhelmed and now you have kids and I want to be able to become a resource to help them achieve those dreams. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you got to have it, right? You got to have the grit because if not, you won't get anywhere. Mm -hmm. But if you do have it, what are the steps you need to take to get mm -hmm. there, right? Absolutely. And I want to be a resource for that. No, I love that. The reason why I asked that because actually it was – because uh, you mentioned purpose and I watched the video this morning and the video was like a lot of times we feel like our purpose is attached to things right I want to get that job promotion the degree I want to make this money I want to get this car this house and the video was like once you get that then what yeah if you don't get it then what you know so your purpose isn't necessarily that it's more internally like who you are as a person like and it's for you you want to help people um so yeah I, I think that's phenomenal i think that is so on point because i thought for a very long time i just want to graduate i remember yeah. my sister you know how latinos are they just joke around and she would send me a uh mana thing that said i'll say this in spanish so i hope everyone understands yeah. it but it says es más fácil llegar al sol que a tu licenciatura something like that que a tu graduación something yeah. like that like yeah. it's easier to get to the sun than to your degree and it's part of one of the songs <laughs> yeah. of Mana. Um, but to me, it was like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to get to that. And then mm. I got there and I was like, OK, what's next? Yeah, you know, like, absolutely. <laughs> but I think one realization I've had this year, my husband and I started investing in real estate in 2017. We started um, diversifying. We started looking at growth. I think wealth, and I love that your podcast is called Latin Wealth. Mm -hmm. is not something that we normalize or talk about in the Hispanic community mm -hmm. because we're very, like in my household, you could not know how much your parents were making. You could mm -hmm. not, that was, money was not a conversation. No. Um, and so I want to move away from that. And it's so scary to not know what is the right path away from that. Because then I also don't want my son to be, you know, a little asshole or anything. You know, he's not going to be. <laughs> right, but, right, right. Um, so one of the things that I want to do is I want to become a philanthropist. Mm. And I 
I'm yet defining what that looks like. We started our first scholarship at Texas A&M for uh, minorities this year. Uh, we just launched it, my husband and I. And I think that's another conversation that needs to happen in the Hispanic community because mm -hmm. we tend to talk about wealth and growth and business, but we don't talk about how we can give back. And we have this idea of if you close your eyes and I tell you, what do you think a, a philanthropist lo looks like? At least for me, it looks like a white old man, yeah. right? That's a fact. That has this like must mustache and yeah. it's probably in a dollar bill or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a fact, yeah. And I don't think that's true. And you don't need to be old to do that. You don't need to be, you know, a certain way. And you don't need to be rich either. You can mm -hmm. be a philanthropist by giving your time, by giving your resources, your knowledge, by coming to podcasts that are sharing those things. Mm -hmm. And we need to normalize calling ourselves philanthropists. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's big time right there. I love that. Um, yeah, wrapping this thing up, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, you know, sharing some knowledge and your, your background and whatnot. If people want to reach out to you, follow your journey, you know, follow what you're doing, where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram or LinkedIn. I'm very active there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And last question, who is one person that you feel needs to be on the Latin Wealth Podcast? There's a lot of people that I can think of, but the first person is my husband okay. to talk about the real estate investment journey from not being a U.S. citizen or resident and investing in real estate to now a U.S. resident and mm. still continuing that journey. Yeah. Now I would love to know more about that process and what that looks like, right? Um, now, with that being said, thank you once again. Is there anything else that you want to tell the audience? Um, if not, it's all good. We can wrap it up. I always have something to say. Oh, come on. Talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that if you're listening to this and you're in a journey of your business of growth or just wanting to get started with anything, Don't be afraid to first reach out to people and ask questions. Mm -hmm. One thing I have found here is that very different to our communities in Latin America, people are there to help and they're genuinely helping. But if we don't ask, we don't get the help, right? Mm -hmm. And then just do it. Like, don't be scared. What is the worst thing that can happen when you launch your business that you fail? That's still a learning experience. My app, by the way, didn't make it to market. We were not able to get funding. I mean, we were pitching in the middle of March 22, 2023, right? Mm -hmm. Like who's going to invest in, in 2020, mm -hmm. sorry, yeah. the middle of the pandemic. So, but I will say that even that being an app that didn't work out, I learned so much. Mm -hmm. So the worst thing that I could have done was not diving in. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I mean, I, I, it's like nothing in life is definite except death, right? You can fail in, in business. You can Uh, whatever fell out of school, whatever the case is, but doesn't mean that you can't come back and start another business. Doesn't mean you can't go to another school or whatever the case is. Nothing is definite except death, right? Mm -hmm. You can always come back from things. I love that you said to ask questions because that's huge in our community. It seems like we don't like asking questions. We just like to be that lone wolf. So yeah. love that. Um, yeah, with that being said, thank you once again for coming to this um to the studio and whatnot coming out the ways and thank you guys for listening to this episode again if you can share this with three other people we would appreciate it and then on that note it's your boy chris we'll catch you guys next week peace